All right. G'day, everyone. Welcome to the Spud Fit Podcast. We're back. It's been a while. I didn't plan it this way, but, you know, life gets in the way and uh, we all know how it is. But anyway, we're having another crack at it. We're back. The Spud Fit Podcast is back in 2018. And uh, I'm going to try and do it more regularly again. I, I would love to promise, but uh, <laughs> I've learned that I, maybe I shouldn't make promises with these sorts of things. Anyway, today's guests, one of the, I've said many times before, but one of the great things about this whole experience for me, the way I changed my life and changed my health through my year of eating only potatoes was some of the new friends that I've made. I've made a lot of new friends along the way and, uh, and today's guests are two of them. It's uh, today's guests are a husband and wife team. Uh, they're powerhouses of uh, nutrition knowledge and uh, in in Australia, and they're uh, they're doing a great job of spreading the word. They've gone viral on a on a couple of different videos through plant based news lately, and um, yeah, they're just they're passionate and uh, educated and strong voices for uh, for change and for health, and uh, and it's a pleasure to call them friends. Uh, we have today Dr. Helene Rooks Hachema. Uh, you can find these guys on a web on their website, by the way, called wholeplantshealth.com.au. I'll link that in the show notes. So Helene is uh, there. Well, they both uh, migrated from the Netherlands to Australia uh, in the year two thousand. Helene uh, had a medical training in pediatrics in Amsterdam, and uh, and. In 2010, became uh, interested in this, in studying and learning more about nutrition and uh, and how a healthy plant-based diet is uh, pr- can be preventative for many chronic diseases, but also curative in in many diseases too. And that's she's dedicated her life to that now, and uh, and she's uh, she's done a certificate in plant-based nutrition through the T. Colin Campbell Center for Nutrition Studies at Cornell University. And she's also the first certified instructor through the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine's Food for Life program. Again, you can find out more about uh, what she does with that through her website. Um, so, yeah, there's only one qualified person in Australia. I don't know, maybe there's more now, but uh, I, this was recorded a few months ago. So there might be more now, but she's definitely the first. And uh, our other guest is Helene's husband, Dr. Alphonse Rooks. He's, uh, he's also a doctor. He's an obstetrician and a gynecologist. And yeah, they, they both focus on presenting health and nutrition backed by sound research. Uh, they've done lots of talks around Australia and internationally. They're uh, fountains of knowledge. They are both uh, absolute pictures of health and fitness themselves. So uh, it's always nice to uh, take advice from people who are experiencing the results that you want to get. And that's no doubt these two are, uh, yeah, if I, can be, if I can be as fit and healthy as these two when I, am, when I reach their age, then I'll be very, very happy with that. All right, but before before we get to uh, to the show, I just would like to mention that there are still some places available for the Spud Fit Retreat, which is uh, happening in a few weeks' time. Go to the website www.spudfit.com and uh, and look up the Spud Fit Retreat and see if that's something you might be interested in. It's happening in Melbourne, and uh, it's just going to be a week long. Uh, 
Spud Fit Challenge, guided by me. We'll be all living together. I'll be living in the house too, and uh, and we'll be doing all sorts of awesome stuff. I won't bore you with the details now. Just go to the website if you'd like to learn more. And also, we are we're in the midst of Canuary, and you know you might have missed the start, but that's okay. You can join anytime. The Spud Fit Challenge is an ongoing thing. So again, go to the website www.spudfit dot com and uh and click on the links to take the challenge if you want to know more if you want to find out more information about that all right back to the episode let's hear from dr helene rooks hma and dr alphonse rooks and yeah it was a good conversation i hope you enjoy it as much as i did have a listen and spud up all right we're on here we are with dr why don't you introduce yourselves actually i was about to do it myself but maybe you guys can do it for yourselves so who have we got on the podcast today thank you andrew for having (laughs) us and um, my name is Helene Rooks. I'm originally a pediatrician and from the Netherlands, trained in the Netherlands, but never got registered here, so I'm non- not practicing. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Is that is that a, a um, issue with regulations and things like? Yeah, you, but you when know? I that's it's difficult to get registered. Yeah. But when we came over here in 2000. Uh, I was already not working anymore in the oh, Netherlands okay. because yep. of the family. Yep. So I looked more uh, or less at after three children. Yeah. And uh, so for me, that was not really necessary yep. to get registered here. And uh, yeah, so, but that's my background uh, as a pediatrician. And um, um, that's, that's in short my background. Maybe right. Alphonse wants to tell a little bit about himself. All right. And I'll, I'll just quickly explain in between that that we're, I've got two microphones here and, uh, and so I'm on one and Helene and Alphonse are sharing the other one. So yeah, we might have a little bit of issues with sound, but we're, we do what we can. Keep going. Well, my name is Alphonse Rooks. Um, I'm a physician gynecologist. I work at the Lyle McEwen Hospital in, uh, in Adelaide, South Australia. And I also work as senior lecturer for the University of Adelaide. So where I teach mainly year five and six medical students how to become confident, competent, and very caring doctors. All right. Nice. So how, how did this come about then? How did you both of you get into being doctors? Well, for me, it was a choice. I was always interested in psychology, in human behavior, and I'm still, I still find that intriguing. Um, but, um, and biology was, for me, the topic I enjoyed. So, and medicine, is that was a choice for me to become a doctor. And then obstetrics and gynecology is the combination of surgery and um, the, the, the surgeon and the physician. So thinking and combining with uh, using your hands. So great job. All right. That's interesting what you said about psychology because I, I, my sub-major in uni was psychology. And, and I think uh, being healthy and eating well is at least as much about psychology as it is about uh, your food choices because, uh, you know, if you want to make consistent good choices in food or any other part of life, then... You need to be a master of your own psychology to to a degree. So yeah, I agree. I think as well, what you eat is it's very much culture, but also, I think as a young child, what your mom gave you, 
uh, that's what you like, that's what you prefer in general, and it's very hard to get rid of those habits as well. So it's a very much a psychological, mental, pro mental challenge as well if you want to change at least. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, how did I get into medicine? I never thought to become a doctor. I always wanted to be a teacher. Ah. <laughs> As a child, I really looked up to my teachers at uh, primary school. But uh, progressing through high school and everything, I ended up first doing like a secretary course, a quite upmarket one. But doing that one, I thought, nah, this is nothing for me. And by accident, I came into contact with a third-year medical student. And he talked about what he was learning and doing. And then I thought, wow, that's so interesting. And that's how my path in uh, medicine started. And pediatrics was, I think, yeah, I, I, from being a child myself, I already was always fond, very fond of little children. So uh, th that, that appealed to me straight away. And in the end, I um, ended up doing neonatology. Uh, which is the intensive care for newborn babies, especially premature and uh, and the sick newborns. So, um, yeah, that's okay. That's quite intense kind of work, I imagine. Very, very intense, and yeah, you deal not only with the little with a little child, but with the parents and sometimes the siblings, little siblings of the child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and that's not an area that at least I typically associate with uh, nutrition and, and uh, you know, a, there's doesn't, I don't imagine there's a big focus on diet for helping you know, a newborn no. or a pre-date uh, pre baby sort of, you know, ha helping things work better in, in that area. So, so that makes me curious about how then you came to this uh, idea of whole food, plant-based nutrition for, for good health since it doesn't seem to be so rel relative in, in the job that you were doing. No, n not related at all because the premature babies, they first need, because it's an intensive care, you need to stabilize them. So they are on drips, sometimes ventilation and all kind of uh, uh, equipment. Uh, so not, not a lot of nutrition going in there. And when they are better, they you, you try to get them on breast milk, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nutrition is a very uh, in, in in relative to my uh, pediatrician uh, work, uh, young uh, evolvement. So about seven years ago, I came across the fact uh, just online, uh, scrolling around, and uh, that Bill Clinton <laughs> changed his diet. Ah. And um, yeah, looking at it, I saw an interview uh, done by a CNN anchor with uh, Dean Ornish and Caldwell Esselstyn at the same time. And that blew me away as a doctor. Never knew that information. So, so what sort of information were they talking about? About heart disease and how you can stop and reverse that with a plant-based diet. Well, that was, that, that was news, you know, because modern medicine cannot stop or reverse heart disease. It's a chronic disease, d per definition, that goes worse step by step. It's getting worse. It's not never getting better. Yeah, it's only it's, about yeah. 
uh, it's only about managing the symptoms, really, isn't it? In, exactly. In modern medicine. It, yeah. yeah. And um, that's what it's called in, in medicine, managing chronic diseases. So, you know, we're not doing anything to cure it, potentially. We're just managing it. Right. I, yeah. I, actually, I actually don't think I've heard that before, about it just being all about management rather than yeah. about trying to fix anything. Yeah, because it's yeah. unfixable. Yeah, yeah, that's course. what we know about chronic diseases, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, and that's what doctors tell you. you know? yeah. When you've got a chronic disease, you're on medication for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, it's, uh, so it's mind-blowing to hear a couple of doctors talking about getting off these medications that you previously thought was not possible to do. Yeah, that, that for me, it was such mind-blowing information. From that moment onwards, I started researching everything I could. And I was so um, enthusiastic about it. So I st after maybe three, four, five weeks, I started uh, uh, constructing an email for family I and <laughs> friends and said, listen, you need to know this. And I thought everyone would be jumping up from joy like I was. Yeah, but of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a complete different story. Yeah, I remember yeah. having similar uh, feelings where, oh, this, this information I'm finding out is amazing. I have to tell everybody because everyone's going to be equally excited as I am and they're all going to change. Um, yeah, <laughs> you learn very quickly that that's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. But yeah, yeah no. But ve right. very happy I came across that information. Yeah, and that, that video you talk about, were you watching it together? Uh, no, I was, was, I was watching it on my own. And then, yeah, Alphonse, you can maybe tell what happened next. Maybe you were the first recipient of Helene's email? <laughs> yeah, no, we still communicate face-to-face -face every now and then. <laughs> we have been married for only 37 years. So ah, okay. It was before the time of uh, e-communication. <laughs> no, when I came home and Helene shared the information with me, it was clear. Like, as a doctor... I see on a daily basis the misery of uh, chronic illnesses. I see patients who pop 12 different pills, uh, who are overweight, who have high blood pressure, who have diabetes, even in pregnancy. So as a doctor, w I know how precious it is that you're healthy. So when Elaine shared that information from with me, you know, I, I studied those articles myself, and it was very convincing, very compelling. And I was flabbergasted. I felt stupid that I didn't know that, but also I said, well, did medical school uh, or my, my colleagues not share it with me? So uh, from then on, we became very, by, con by being convinced by the evidence, we became whole food plant-based and we never looked back and we feel now this is now our obligation as doctors to share. Now we have the privilege to know, we have the duty to share that with as many people around the Australia and the Netherlands as possible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I agree. That, that feels like it's it's my job as well now to now that you know I've had the big changes that I've had. That yeah, it's it's my duty to try to share the message wide, and you know, part of that is talking to people like you as well. So, yeah. <laughs> so, did you did you change your diet immediately, or how did that go for you? Um, almost immediately, I would say. There were a few odd things that, you know, you hang on to. One of the difficult things was the 
changing the type of milk in the coffee. Okay. <laughs> and maybe should not even be drinking coffee, but yeah. Being Dutch, I was assuming you were going to say strop waffles. Or, uh, <laughs> strop waffles, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, pannekoek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The pannekoek, the pancake, you yeah. can do that quite easily. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it was the, for instance, I found it really hard to, to have other milk in the coffee. And yeah. I have only one coffee a day. But I enjoy that one. So I can remember that I was having everything whole food plant-based, but I, I bought that little carton of normal <laughs> you know, milk. Oh, yeah. And then at a certain point in time, I thought, this is ridiculous. And just started using soy milk. And you get used to it, right? And it's just three weeks or so. Yeah, okay. And yeah. it's gone. And if they by accident now give me a coffee with normal milk, <laughs> I don't want it. You know, I don't like it anymore. Yeah, my yeah. wife experience. My wife's experience very similar. I've never drank hot drinks, coffee or tea, so I don't know that cha- what that change is like. But my wife was the same. It was, uh, yeah, just a couple of weeks, and she was used to soy milk, and now cow's milk is disgusting to her. Yeah, maybe as a, as Dutchies, Helene uh, <coughs> really she was close to addicted to eating cheese. If we had a, a chunk of cheese, she would just uh, it would disappear quicker than the mice could get to it. <laughs> um, and it's interesting, um, now we know that cheese is not promoting your health to the contrary. When, um, s- when you look at cheese, it's, it's like um, it's high in fat, even if they advertise as low-fat cheese. So we know now it has a lot of stuff which is not healthy. So after six weeks of not eating cheese anymore, you reset your taste bud or your palate setting, and all of a sudden you get used to different foods. And that's an important message for uh, the listeners as well. You think you know I love my what it is, uh, you know my spaghetti or my my meatballs. Um, you can just by not eating them for a few weeks, maybe six weeks in a row, you get a, a different appreciation for other foods. Because initially you might think, oh, what do plant-based people eat? It must be boring. It must be uh, bland. It's not the case. That's one of the precious ideas we had before we came whole food plant-based. Yeah, I, I had the same idea and I can relate to the cheese thing. I used to, one of my favorite things before I made any changes was a, a toasted cheese sandwich. Uh, you just, I, you couldn't beat that in my eyes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, about, uh, I've got no interest in it now, now that I've, I've broken the ties. Uh, I don't care for, uh, no. it just doesn't bother me in the slightest that I'm not having a toasted cheese sandwich, that's fine. Yeah, and that uh, that's that's really, you know, so almost unbelievable before you you were really really loving it and i now tell people if there is a table full of different cheeses in front of me it wouldn't appeal to me yeah i wouldn't feel drawn into that not at all it's not even food now no (laughs) no so did you notice any changes in your own health when you when you first made your dietary changes did did things change for you personally yeah, that's one of the stories that we don't carry with us. And a lot of people that are now whole food plant-based have sometimes remarkable stories uh, how their lives changed weight-wise and um, health-wise. And of course, you, uh, Andrew, can relate to that. But uh, so many other people, you know, with heart disease or an autoimmune disease. and uh, But... You know, both of us, we were not overweight. I, I think we might have lost both of us like two kilos or so, okay. changing the diet. But um, 
And we didn't, as far as we knew, <laughs> you don't know what was uh, simmering uh, in the background, but we, as far as we knew, we didn't have any chronic disease. We were not on medications, nothing. And, you know, when we started changing, we were in our late 50s. So, uh, f fairly healthy. Um, yeah, so we don't have that story. Mm. N not even, you know, do you, oh, I feel so much more fit. Yeah, I, I to a degree can say that I felt that more energy, that's what you hear. Yeah. But you know, you can't quantify that. That's like subjective information. Yeah, well, if you if you're already lean and you're already reasonably fit, then there's what what else is going to improve? It would be would what would be really interesting would be to know about how the health of your arteries changed for for me, but obviously there's no way to know now but you know maybe in someone if someone in your position could be monitored through the change and see you know what happens on the inside that would be really interesting and i'm, I'm curious about that for you guys as well but so no symptoms we were uh, we were healthy and that counted count our blessings but i know my cholesterol i have over the years had a routine checkup with my gp and i know my cholesterol was in the normal range but now it has it has sunk to a level where I feel I made myself heart attack proof. And that's also, um, I'm very happy with the fact my arteries, recently I had a special measurement of my, the flexibility of my arteries and the, the young researcher who did check my blood pressure and that flexibility test, she was surprised that, wow, that looks great. And, and when I told her I'm 63, she couldn't believe it. So I don't know precisely what she measured, but my endothelium function, so the inner lining of my arteries, and uh, are doing well. But your question, did we have any symptoms? We did not respond to a disease or a threat about our health. We just did it because of the, the evidence in uh, before our eyes. That's why we made a change. And to prevent to go into that trap of chronic diseases. We want to stay healthy as long as possible. We want to stay away from the doctors and the hospitals because hospitals, and doctors, yeah, we are disease managers. Mm. We are, in principle, hospitals are dangerous place, places. Did you know, Andrew, if you look at the top 10 causes of death in the United States, the medical treatment itself is on the, the fifth spot. So you might be in a hospital, you get a drug you, which you're allergic to, you get a coronary bypass operation, complication, you die, etc. So healthcare, so it should be disease care in my view, is the number five cause of death in the United States, food for right. thought. That is incredible. So people are dying because of the treatment that they've, wow. That's, I, I was at a, a John McDougall talk recently and, and he talked about, I can't remember exactly, but it was, it was something to do with like colonoscopies for cancer or something that people are more likely to die from complications to the colonoscopy than they are to uh, be you know, live longer because they find a cancer. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that, yeah. that blew my mind and now you're blowing my mind again. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. And now I think one of the, was it Canada or so, that now is saying that it's not a um, uh, screening tool anymore, colonoscopy. Oh, really? Yeah, I think some countries are now walking away from it because it does not really add enough information. So if you do stool tests on uh, whether there is some blood in the stools. Uh, so for people that yeah. are not at risk, I'm talking. Yeah. 
so really screening for all the apparently healthy people, it's not a good thing to do that anymore. Yeah, Especially right. because it doesn't give uh, enough people that you pick up and and the risk, the combination. Yeah. yeah. Right. So sooner or later, I imagine you, you start bringing your ideas of uh, whole food, plant-based eating into your work. So uh, how does that process go for you guys? Well, I'm still practicing as a physician gynecologist yeah. and one of the things I did is... Um, Pregnant women in the community we serve, it's an underprivileged community, quite often are diagnosed with an iron deficiency anemia. That means the iron levels in blood are low and the red blood cell count is low. And typically what we do, iron deficiency anemia, we give the woman advice to take a pill, an iron supplement. And typically iron supplements have some side effects. One of them is constipation and sometimes it makes your stomach upset. Well, what do we do if you have constipation? Well, we have an aperient, as we call it. Eh? So it uh, facilitates uh, number two, going to the toilet. So for iron deficiency anemia, which is a common condition... Um, yeah, that's we have pretty common, in, especially in pregnant mothers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So we have two pills. And what I did, uh, Helene produced a beautiful leaflet, and she explained in that leaflet, evidence-based, by eating more leafy green vegetables and beans and whole grains that you can actually offer your gut more natural iron and um, if you combine that with food which is rich in vitamin C, so fruit, um, then you absorb more of the natural iron. You should not combine your leafy greens etc. with drinking tea or coffee at the same time because that hinders the absorption. So I made that, Helene made that leaflet and I'm using that, I'm printing that off Many, many times, every time when I do a, a, an antenatal clinic, I share it with the women, but also I share it with some of my colleagues, the students and the midwives. And you see, there's a different approach. And of course, I notice that leaflet, hmm, you could see people were laughing about it because mm. they thought that is something uh, weird. Yeah, you're uh, supposed to eat steak if you want iron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, <laughs> and this is what we still teach at medical schools. Red meat is your best, fr best friend. By the way, I like to make two comments here. The, the heme iron, so that's the iron which is bound to uh, red blood cells of animals, of flesh, uh, if you, that absorption, that is, that's well absorbed, that absorption is not regulated, and that sounds a bonus, but it is also um, a, a negative aspect, because heme iron, when you absorb that into your body, is a very strong oxidant, and oxidation means aging, uh, more a risk for chronic diseases, etc. And we know that heme plays a role in, for instance, the um, is a could contribute to Alzheimer's disease. So heme iron, you should not have a surplus in heme in your body. Meat, there's another thing. We know now that processed meat causes cancer in human beings. Published in October 20, uh, uh, 2016. No, 15, 2015, heme iron, so processed meat causes cancer in human beings. And the risk that you um, get, for instance, bowel cancer, colorectal cancer, is comparable with passive smoking. The, the passive smoking is banned in our community. You would not put your child in a room where people have been smoking before, yet the whole society consumes processed meat. So where are we? Where are the health authorities to share that with us? Meat 
So uh, meat is most likely causing cancer in human beings. So meat is not promoting health. Meat, red meat, is not required to deal with your iron deficiency anemia. It just advertising, and in a very sleek way, it's planted in our brains as young children. We believe in Australia in particular that you need meat to be strong. You need meat for your proteins. You need meat for your iron. And when Helene and I look at the evidence, the evidence is the opposite. But how many blokes believe that? They think that you need to eat meat to be strong and muscular. And if you know, if you go to the gym and you want to add muscle, that you need to eat protein shakes, etc. <laughs> it's all good for the hip pockets of the people who sell that to you, but it's not necessary. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, for me, um, it's really interesting that you're uh, you're working a lot with um, pregnant women and uh and advising on diet for for during pregnancy because uh when my wife was pregnant with our with our little boy that we have now she was vegan and pr mostly whole food plant-based we were trying to be whole food plant-based and she was much better at it than me obviously um and i got even worse after that but uh <laughs> that's another story but when we went for checkups with specialists and doctors and things and uh as soon as they found out that Mandy was eating vegan, ooh, there's a we'd better write a note down on on Mandy's little uh, chart, and we'd better just uh, ask for a few more tests than we normally would. And you know, I think maybe you should add in some meat just once a week. Have some meat once a week just to make yeah. sure. That, anyway, so <laughs> so now we've uh, now I'm talking to you know a specialist in this area who would say no nah, you're on the right track and that that would have been nice at the time so um do you do you have any uh were there any moments in your professional lives where something happened or you had a patient where you where something good happened you went yes i'm on the right track now this is i'm doing i, I know that this is working in this instance and it, and it feels good that i've been able to make a difference with this advice Alphonse, yeah, have you have have you had ever a patient that changed? Yeah, I know there are a few examples of patients where well, I maybe not someone that totally changed their diet to no, whole food plant based, but maybe someone that did start eating leafy greens and their their um, their iron level got better or something. Yeah, absolutely. There. I know from a, a patient who had a bowel resection in the past because of cancer, uh, and she had also radiotherapy. She had her whole life iron deficiency. And sometimes she needed, because her bowel could not absorb it anymore, and also she needed every now and then uh, blood transfusions. And she she's a nurse, by, by the way. Um, and when she changed her uh, diet to whole food plant-based, for the first time ever in her life, she came back and told me, well, my red blood cell count, so my hemoglobin is normal, and my iron are back to normal. And her GP said, what's happening? So it was thanks to the change in diet wow. that she, for the first time in her life, she was chronically anemic, struggling. And uh, now with the whole food plant-based diet, she is uh, absolutely normal. And it has, that's now a few years ago. So um, a, a small example of a remarkable change. Yeah, that's, that is amazing, yeah. And uh, I, bet the, I bet her doctor was happy about that too. Yeah, he was happy, but also very surprised. He didn't understand. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, now we need to help him understand. <laughs> yeah, and although <coughs> for the past so many years I don't deal with patients, uh, in the meantime, I did some schooling, extra schooling in nutrition. 
and uh, for instance the nutrition um, uh, what is it called? Yeah, at eCornell, a uh, plant-based nutrition ah, course at yeah. Cornell uh, University. So that's a course you do over the internet. I'd like to have a go at that myself. Yeah, sometime. it's yeah. a really, it's really nice background information, and um, you get a beautiful whole picture of uh, of thing. Yeah, from T. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study, started this, and after that, I went to I went physically to Washington DC to PCRM, which is the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. With Neil Barnard. With Neil yep. Barnard. He founded that in nineteen eighty five. And um he they um train people to become a food for life instructor as they call it so you have to go there you have to apply and um, and when you get in uh, you have to go there and um, being trained as such and i'm at the moment the only one in australia oh really yeah wow and i knew you were doing that but i didn't realize you were the only one yeah, cool, yeah yeah and um based in adelaide so a uh, few times a year i conduct five week courses so people come once a week for two hours and um, uh, during that period I do some education about uh, plant-based nutrition there's also every visit when they come a, a video with Neil Barnard talking to them and explaining things as well and then there is a cooking demonstration every night where I demonstrate three different recipes each night so uh, and then people are blown away by First of all, that you can prepare food without oil because whole food plant-based also means no added oil. And they are also blown away how simple the recipes are and how well they taste. So, yeah, the cooking demonstration comes along also with tastings. Oh, great. Oh, I wish it was in Melbourne. I'd come along myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, so yeah, that will happen. Yeah. What sort of foods do you cook then? Tell us about it. Yeah, sure. well, one of the foods is what a lot of people have for breakfast, an oatmeal uh, dish with a little bit of um, raisins or sultanas and uh, maybe added in a little bit of sweetness like maple syrup But if you, if you want to, but you don't have to, and some cinnamon. Uh, so simple. And uh, yeah, or apple uh, went into it as well. So, um, but it is very simple, and people can then decide. Oh, I will. I want to keep it that simple, or I can add. Uh, I can add in a few other items to make it maybe a little bit more uh, uh, exciting. Um, there is a dish, really beautiful quinoa chickpea salad, with a uh, miso dressing, an orange. Uh, miso uh, dressing where you use orange juice and miso and ginger and a little bit of garlic no oil required and yeah every time when they have that's in the second uh, on the second night that I demonstrate one they come back the next uh, week and so many people say I made that one I made that uh, salad All right, yeah good. I loved it so much uh, there is a very simple soup with sweet potatoes and uh, chickpeas. Uh, we've got <laughs> yeah, the potatoes are yeah, there as well. Right. Yeah, I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but um, uh, mushrooms and um, capsicum, red capsicum dish with a little bit of soy sauce. Yeah. All right, sounds good. So you keep it pretty simple then. It's very, very simple. Yeah. 
but very tasty. All right. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. No excuse, people. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, but I, I, I remember how in the beginning you are feeling a little bit, you know, w as in what do I do? What do I prepare? So yeah. uh, and that and then people think it's that it has to be difficult and that you need uh, many many ingredients and it's just keep it simple especially in the beginning just mm. keep it simple and eat the f whole foods yeah this is a big thing for me that i th really think that these um all these tv cooking shows at the moment like the master chef and my kitchen rules and all that I, I really think they've got a lot to answer for in today's society because you know people seem to have this idea that every meal you eat has to be this amazing gourmet experience and you, you, if, if you don't spend an hour and a half in the kitchen preparing it then it, you may as well just not do it uh, it's sort of there's this yeah. weird idea but it, it, it's i love it that you know people like you are, are trying to help people still get amazing flavor but just cut down the the worry about what you're doing and let's just keep it simple and just keep it easy and absolutely yeah. and i think we have to go back to the basis as in and basics about why are we eating we are eating to stay alive first of all but also to stay healthy and that doesn't come from manipulating food until the point that you don't recognize it as food anymore that's what i find <laughs> when i yeah when i look at these shows and i think I don't see real food anymore, and um, and that's why it's really also enjoyable just to stay with the whole foods, and that you see now I'm eating potatoes and here I'm eating beans and there I'm eating some brown rice and and now I'm having you know eggplant and it's really I find that enticing to see the real food on, on my plate. Yeah and. I wouldn't have believed that once upon a time, but once you give your time, your taste buds a little bit of time, like Alphonse was saying before, about you know six weeks to to allow everything to adjust, then then things like that become an enjoyable experience. And like these days, I often just eat a carrot or eat some cherry tomatoes or you know eat some potatoes. Obviously, or you know just a single ingredient is is fine by me now. Uh, there's, yeah. I've got no interest in spending an hour in the kitchen making something incredible in fact that these days seems like a waste of time to me because i've got so many more interesting things i could be doing rather than you know spending yeah. so much time in the kitchen yeah but uh and and I, i'm healthier for it too so yeah and yeah. and you hear so many people say yeah but, it sh but food should sh still taste good well that is what it does the real mm. food tastes so good that a lot of people might not uh, understand this but we now enjoy a boiled potato as a snack yeah know? totally <laughs> and it's such a beautiful snack because it's filling and um you know it's not um, in your body and then after half an hour you feel already you need anything more you need more food no it's very satiety you know good satiety and uh, yeah yeah so, absolutely but i i would never have thought that that i would do that you know no, so no. many years ago Me yeah either. About uh, boiled potatoes, I think we have an interesting experience because when you travel, especially when you hop on a plane, well, you can order vegan food, but uh, it's quite often heavily processed. So a good friends of ours, they had a strategy. They prepared a number of boiled potatoes and 
my family and I, we went to Japan last year uh, for a skiing holiday. And Helene boiled how many? Two kilos. Two kilos <laughs> of potatoes. And you couldn't believe it or not, we got stranded on, um, at the airport in Tokyo because the connecting flight was canceled because of bad weather. And whilst all the other passengers were grumpy and becoming increasingly hyperglycemic, uh, and we were just chewing away those beautiful potatoes, <laughs> and we had a we had a ball. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I had a similar experience, not not with a stopover, but I flew to LA and I took a big box of boiled potatoes with me. And uh, and when the hostesses came around with meals, because this was last year, while I was eating only potatoes, so I didn't expect the airline to have only potatoes for me. So yeah. The, the hostesses would come <laughs> around with their meals and I just had my big box of potatoes on my tray and no thanks, I've got this. And then all of the hostesses would have to come and have a look. Obviously, the one that came past went and told someone and she just came and stuck her head around the side of the seat and saw what I was doing and had a little laugh and ran off and then another one came and <laughs> looked at <laughs> that They all had to see this crazy guy that's eating only potatoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so, funny. Yeah. So I can't have a couple of doctors on the Spud Fit podcast without uh, asking the, the questions that everyone probably wants to know about, uh, the questions that you've heard a million times before, but we, we're going to go through them again anyway. So first one, protein. <laughs> Where do you get your protein? Yay. <laughs> there is it again. There is it again. Yeah. No, that is such a uh, misconception and... Um, you are being such a good example that if you eat for a year potatoes only, that you get all the protein you need. And um, first of all, the misconception that we need so much protein, that's so overstated. We need only 0.8 grams per ideal body weight in protein. So for me, that's maybe 40, 50 grams of uh, protein per day on a whole food plant-based diet I can't I go over that I, I, I already get too much basically mm. you know so um, you have to really put in an effort to not get enough protein and, th and that's only in the situation where there is starvation so here in modern med in the modern world we don't see deficiencies in protein only when people uh, undereat uh, you know maybe anorexia that kind of uh, diseases otherwise you won't uh, you won't see it and so it's never ever a problem but people don't realize that they think they now think in protein and carbohydrates and fats and not in whole foods anymore so if you look at fruit a lot of fruits will still have some protein, not much, but it will be there. Leafy greens will have protein um, and potatoes. And so you don't have to eat. Oh, I now I probably have to eat a lot of beans for the protein because people know that beans will have protein. No, you don't. Because mm. if you eat of everything across the board of the plants, you will get all the protein and more than you need. And the healthy proteins. So Plant proteins are very healthy for us, and animal proteins proteins are uh, detrimental for our health, basically. Yeah, and it's even to the point where uh, this protein idea is totally taken over to the point where um, often people don't even call meat meat anymore. They just call it protein and forget that it's got yeah. other things in it that are not protein. Yeah. It's like you're not just eating a chunk of protein. There's no. fat and cholesterol and... 
who knows what else in there from but the, the, the hormones, hormones. Yeah. antibiotics um yeah and many other problems with it and even if even if animal protein would not be a problem because it is a problem in itself for our health then you always have to look at the package you are eating and that protein comes in a package and that the package you are already you know mentioning with the saturated fats and the cholesterol and antibiotics and the hormones not even added hormones that animal has its own hormones that will be in that meat mm. and there is a very um, like um, insulin like growth factor one it's called like igf1 very cancer promoting hormone it's just there so if you want that animal protein because you want that protein and supposedly so good well think about it because it comes in a package with a lot of um, negative uh, products in there as well if you then look at a plant package it's almost all positive so you have the plant protein that's healthy and then it comes with uh, vitamins minerals and phytonutrients phyto means plant and so all s sorts of nutrients that are never listed on the label if you would list phytonutrients on a label the you know the label will drag on the floor <laughs> because <laughs> so many nutrients are in there that we don't even realize you know and then the fiber because um, animal products have zero fiber and we now know how important the fiber is in our diet and the fi all the fiber comes from plants yeah so you should reverse that question the the silly protein deficiency yeah when you're stuck in the desert stuck in the desert and there's nobody around you will have protein deficiency after a few days but um, what about your fiber deficiency and what about the deficiency in nutrients and micronutrients? So, but it's planted in our brain, and our the human brain is reluctant to change habits, especially if it's about yeah, food is one of the habits we don't want to change unless there's compelling evidence, and you really are prepared to make the change bec because the information is very clear. So, if you think about tw uh, August 2017, if you look at all the evidence whole food plant-based nutrition is the healthiest food we have at the, at the moment we'll let you know if the evidence uh, changes but i don't think so at the moment yeah no worries well that's a uh, that's a good answer the <laughs> a little bit of a long one <laughs> yeah no that, that's it's good we need to get into detail because you know i i think one of the things that it, one of the reasons this message doesn't get out is because um is because people go, oh, well, you know, nobody's going to make that bigger change to their diet. Uh, I've heard it many times that doctors uh, and other professionals say, yeah, whole food plant-based diet's good, but it's too hard. So we're not going to bother telling people about it because it's too hard. So I think it's important. I'm, I'm the opposite. I think that we should be empowering people with information and allow them to be fully educated and then really make an educated decision are based on what's best for their health Absolutely. rather than just what you know what the tv tells them to do yeah so. no that's so true that's that's what we you know want to do alphonse and i together we do quite a bit of presentations as well for the general public but also for doctors in it's called grand rounds in hospitals where they have every week like a scientific uh, talk and we have been in almost all um um 
academic hospitals in uh, in Adelaide. We have been talking there, and also in oh, the Netherlands, in the Netherlands, in one. Uh, just to educate the the medical world as well, it's so important that they Absolutely. know. Yeah. yeah, because even though the doctor might not be plant based himself, as long as the doctor knows that it's very healthy, then you don't have that situation what you see now so often that the patient wants to go plant based, went plant based, goes to the doctor, tells him her, and then gets the answer. Oh, that's very, very dangerous. You shouldn't be doing that. You need meat and you need dairy. Yeah. And then the patient is confused, of course. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had that myself. But luckily, I, I had taken it upon myself to be educated. And, yeah. and I was not confident in what the doctor said when he said I should... I need to eat meat and dairy and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah. but yeah, not everyone's in that position. So, no. Yeah, and what nice. I would like to add is that I don't blame doctors because... Seven years ago, we were the same. We yeah. didn't know. So they don't know. It's not in the education. It's not in their toolbox. So that's one of the things that we would like to do. Also educate the medical world. Yeah. And so I'm not blaming anyone. No, no, no. I totally understand it. Yeah. You can't, people can't change if they don't know exactly. what they're supposed to be doing and they don't have the information. So yeah, let's just get the information out yeah. and allow people to make up their minds because at the moment people are not making up their own minds they're they're just doing what they've always done or what they've been told and they're not making decisions they're just following what they've always done but now yeah. you, you guys are allowing people to actually make a decision for the first time in their lives so yeah that's a big thing also i think an important uh, point is if you eat um, what you eat you can eat very unhealthy food for many 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 years it has a leeway of maybe 30 years before you hit the wall so when you're young uh, and you feel uh, healthy um, uh, you feel also in uh, bulletproof invincible so you are allowed to eat whatever you like to drink whatever you like but in the meantime there is a chronic inflammation brewing inside of you and it's a matter of time so you could create what you eat and drink every day. It's could it's a potentially a slow, sneaky, slow killer, and that's why we want uh, young people and healthy people to realize that. Because now, the vast majority of people make a change of to their diet when they are diagnosed with. They wake up, hopefully, they're still alive after a big infarct, and the doctor tells them, you know, well, you need to change your lifestyle. So you start jogging, you start stop smoking, the good ones, and you change your diet. Most important message for the community is prevent this from happening in the first place by having a healthy lifestyle and of all the parameters of your lifestyle. So you're jogging. Smoking is important, but nutrition is the number one issue which has the biggest impact on that. So it's not only for the old and the frail and the ones who have diseases already. This message is very powerful for the ones who are still very healthy and fit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and on that note, Alphonse mentioned, you know, you, you, you might get heart disease in the end after so many years when you are 50 or 60 years old. And a lot of people might think, oh, well, because it's also really good this diet in reversing chronic diseases, you know, I will do that when I get there. But especially with heart disease, if you look at it, 50%, 50% of all the patients that die of heart disease, they die with their first heart attack, which is then the first symptom. So your first symptom might be your last symptom. So 
only 50% of people have the chance to change and, and their diet and do something about their heart disease. Uh, so that is not really an option to say, you know, I will wait until... Yeah, mm. for, uh, especially with heart disease. They're not good odds. Yeah. I don't want to take that chance. <laughs> yeah, no. So uh, you have to realize that. But uh, it's really hard for people in general to be motivated by fear that works only for a certain amount of time and then it uh, weans off. But um, going on a whole food plant-based diet, there is that factor of feeling so much better yeah. and having so much more energy. And although that is subjective, this is a very um, good stimulant for people to stay on track and a really good motivator. So that's a very positive motivator. All right. Well, that's that was taking. We've probably got to wrap it up now. We've been going for long enough, and you've got to you've got to meet your kids and have a good time. Yeah. Uh, but the last the last thing I wanted to ask is about you know for me it's all about um, you know it's good to have all this information, but so many people, myself included, before that I did my potato thing, find it really hard to stick with the change. So. Do you have some advice or some helpful hints or something to the, for people that want to make the change but have found it hard to stick with it? How can you how can you help those people? Very important is to have I think also access to maybe other people that are on the same page. So nowadays you, there are many Facebook groups that you can um, you know, sign up to to be become a member. Especially here in Australia, you've got whole food plant-based Aussies uh, as a Facebook group and there is a lot of support, a lot of quality information. Um, another good thing might be if you don't feel like that or that's not enough, uh, now and then do a 21-day kickstart program online which is for instance available with PCRM. It's all for free, it's very motivating. There are always, they include celebrities that uh, also put in their information and uh, motivation for this. And you can do it as often as you like. So if you think, you know, um, I need some more inspiration, you can do that uh, course. Yeah, it's pcrm.org. Okay. And then 21-day kickstart. Sounds good. Yeah, so... Um, uh, reading, talking to other people, um, going to websites, watching um, documentaries. I find these things are all very motivating to, uh, to keep doing what you are doing. But community, be part of a community that is doing it like a Facebook group if you don't have a physical community. I would like to add to that as well, um, Andrew, that now we have in every major city in Australia a plant-powered group and that is also for meetups and so you can talk to other people uh, face to face. And I, and I had a great time at the Adelaide Plant Powered Meetup a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah so you were our guest. That was great. Yeah. yeah, that was fantastic. So we have Plant Powered Melbourne, Plant Powered Sydney, Plant Powered Adelaide. So the major cities have a group like that. All right. And so that would be also a really good uh, thing to do for motivation yeah i agree that like i said that was a good time and i i go along to the plant-powered melbourne meetups it's really it's always really nice to share a meal with other people that are eating the same way and you don't have to spend the whole meal justifying your food choices you can just talk about interesting things to talk about instead <laughs> yeah. 
No, I maintain your sense of humor because, uh, of course, people pay us out when we tell them that we are whole food, plant-based or vegan, and that's that's wonderful. And and uh, except that we're still the exception, but it's changing. We have seen over the last five years the number of people who are now plant-based are increasing for very good reasons. So uh, if people crack a joke about you, you know, I, I, I love that and I laugh and I thank them sincerely because laughter is a very good instrument helps you to stay happy and, uh, and and also your sanity probably yeah that is an important point because i i do hear from a lot of people that uh you know someone has said something negative about for, with me it's eating only potatoes or something and they they want an argument they need an argument you know they want they have to win this debate and often I say, yeah, just just have a laugh, just yeah, chill yeah, out. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> it's not; it doesn't have to be all that yeah. serious. <laughs> Absolutely, so that's I an important point. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's about time to uh, to call it quits for today. So, Helene and Alphonse, thank you so much for being on the Spud Fit Challenge, and uh, I love your work, and uh, and I hope it continues to get bigger and better for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, thank Andrew. You. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. All right, and, uh, and enjoy the rest of your little uh, stay in Melbourne. We will, we will, definitely. All right, spud up. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the Spud Fit podcast. I hope you're happy that we're back and we're, we're in action and things are happening in 2018. Uh, I'm happy about it and I'm looking forward to having some more guests that are just as good and just as uh, enjoyable to talk to as Helene and Alphonse were. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you did enjoy it, then the best thing you can do for me is to share it with your friends. Tell everyone you know about it. And... Uh, so also subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts go to itunes apple podcasts and and uh, click subscribe that's really helpful and also uh you know hack your friends phones while they're not looking and subscribe them to the podcast too <laughs> um what else all right so yeah again if you want to keep in touch with uh dr helene and alphonse rooks then you can uh, go to their website uh, what was it again? Wholeplantshealth.com.au. Sorry, I had a mental blank there for a second. Wholeplantshealth.com.au. Go and check them out. And also make sure that you check out the show notes uh, if you're interested in learning more about, about them. There's links to their website in the show notes, but also links to lots of the things that we talked about in the show. So uh, head over to spudfit.com and check out the, uh, the show notes for this episode. And again, before we go, uh, go to spudfit.com if you're interested in the SpudFit retreat, the first ever SpudFit retreat's happening in a few weeks. It's going to be awesome. I won't uh, bore you with the details right now, but go to the website if you're interested. I think it's going to be really, really cool. I'm very, very excited about it. And, uh, and also, of course, there's the SpudFit membership. So if you want to do your own SpudFit challenge with some guidance and, uh, and help from myself and many other like-minded people, then spudfit.com and go to the take the challenge links all right thanks for sticking around to the end i appreciate it i appreciate everyone who listened i appreciate everyone who gives me support and help and uh yeah thank you and enjoy your week and uh we'll be back spud up <laughs>